This is ReachMD. Join us for this special debate on the potential assets and liabilities regarding over-the-counter DNA testing. Our host today is Dr. David Wiseman, the Director of Clinical Trials at Abington Neurological Association. He is joined by Dr. John Corey, an Associate Director at Abington Memorial Hospital Sleep Disorder Center. The company 23andMe markets genetic testing directly to consumers to assess people's predisposition to developing 10 diseases. The FDA said that while these genetic tests provides a person's genetic risk, they can't determine someone's overall chance of developing the disease or condition. Therefore, are these over-the-counter genetic tests harmful or beneficial to consumers? This is ReachMD. My name is David Wiseman. I'm a neurologist focusing on Alzheimer's disease and clinical trials. I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. John Corey, a neurologist, sleep, epilepsy specialist. We're here to discuss and debate direct-to-consumer tests for genetic risk following a recent decision to allow 23andMe to market these tests to consumers. I'm against this, and John is taking the pro side. Currently, I am enrolling people into a clinical trial uh, called the Generation Study. And this is for people who are highly susceptible to Alzheimer's disease. And the trial is looking at people that 23andMe genetically tests. I have every reason in the world to think that this should be done. And yet, I have grave reservations. No enthusiasm for this really only dread. And the reason that I think that the FDA has made a terrible mistake hinges on the fact I think that the disclosures of some of this genetic information can cause terrible distress. I've been in practice for 11 years in neurology. I've made thousands of disclosures of diagnoses. They're always done in a controlled manner. This is not like that. Furthermore, maybe this is trivial, but in the age of Snowden, how susceptible is 23andMe, a private company, to hacking? Where will this go? Where will this information go? Where is it being stored? We, we just don't know the answer, and therefore, I'm against. In medicine, we constantly weigh risk and benefit. I see the risks, and I fail to see the benefits. Dave, Dave thank you. That was a very good uh, opening statement there. I, I, um, I want to say that genetic testing has, I believe, really brought us into the forefront of medicine. And I think uh, as a patient-centric uh, program, uh, patients now have a lot of choices as to what they want to do and if they want to get tested genetically. And they don't necessarily need to speak to a doctor about this. They could speak to other family members. They can uh, just discuss amongst themselves or if they have some just good reason to get genetic testing, they might be able to do it without a, a, a physician present. Um, uh, with uh, genetic testing and specifically with regards to disclosure, uh, having disclosure, as you wanted to put it, in a controlled environment in front of a doctor is certainly one way to do it, but many patients are uncomfortable with physicians. Many patients would rather get disclosure um, in a private setting, uh, either with their family or on their own in, a, in, a, in an alone environment, and that is their choice to do so. Um, genetic uh, data can actually cause good uh, decisions in addition to, as you mentioned, bad. But again, patients have the right to make those decisions, whether they be good or bad. They have the independence to be able to do so. Um, if you take a look at uh, Sergey Brin, the founder of 23andMe, he had genetic testing done that indicated he was at a higher likelihood of getting Parkinson's disease. And he has made the uh, good decision to 
um, donate money and give uh, millions of dollars to Parkinson's Foundation and to fund Parkinson's research. So that is a, a, an asymptomatic person who had a genetic test done who has now, uh, society has benefited from such genetic testing. Um, so that was a, a good point for him. People, patients should have purposes when they get genetic testing, and they often will have a reason to get a genetic test, and there may be a reason that they do not want to disclose that uh, to a physician, and they may not want to sit and discuss that with others. They may have private reasons to get those genetic tests, and again, it is their option to do so. And now, with the, uh, the advent of 23andMe and direct-to-consumer genetic testing, they have the choice and the ability to do so. They, do, they are by no means mandated to do so, but they do have to live with those consequences, whether they be good consequences or bad. Um, and so that's why I believe that genetic direct-to-consumer genetic testing um, will not only be is not only here, but I think it'll become more common in the future. And I think we'll see more genetic tests available for patients, and they'll be able to decide what it is they want to get tested for and if they want to get tested. Well, I certainly hope you're wrong about the future, um, and but I, I think it might happen. To me, you're placing a huge amount of weight on patient autonomy. So my first question to you is, what's the limit of patient autonomy? Should we let patients on their own with no guidance decide to get any genetic test that they want? Or how about just measure their CBC every single day that they want to? Or dictate the care that they receive by demanding MRIs, unnecessary tests of all kinds. We're sort of opening up this can of worms and what, what should there be a limit? Where should it be? So that, this is a great point. And I think right now we're in an era, especially with the change in insurance markets, as patients are now forced to pay for more out-of-pocket costs and their out-of-pocket out expenses are higher, patients are now already picking and choosing tests that they want to get, tests that they do not want to receive. Um, and they're already doing this to some degree. So there is already autonomy being built in. And not only is that... Um, uh, it's happening, it's being, it's being forced to happen. Insurance companies actually like this because it, when patients have the ability to make the decision what they want to pay for, it overall decreases the cost of their care because they won't necessarily get unnecessary testing. Uh, so the ability to make that decision uh, in regards to the cost of an MRI, as you mentioned earlier, when they now have to pay for that MRI, their decision to get the MRI has actually decreased and not increased. So I, I believe the way that now, because you're paying for it, that cost has patients thinking about what it is they're, they're going to choose to get. Right, thinking about not getting a test. But what we're talking about is choosing to get a test. Correct. At a cost. There is a cost associated, cost. With, there is a cost associated with this test, just like there is for any test. It is not a, uh, a cheap test. I believe the test costs a few hundred dollars uh, as of today. So this is not a test that somebody can just accidentally get or will just get on the street for paying $5. To give up a few hundred dollars worth of money for most people, this is a decision that is not taken lightly. Uh, and so it is their option to decide to get that test uh, when, now that there is a cost associated with it. And again, it's not mandated that they do it. They do not, no one is forcing anyone to get the genetic test. They have the option to decide if they would like the test or not. Right. The money angle on this brings up another unseemly point uh, for 23andMe because the game, obviously, for 23andMe is they're not making much money on the $200 for the cheek swabs. I mean, does that cover the cost of even getting the genetics? I don't know, but it seems pretty inexpensive. The real money that 23andMe is going to make is selling out this genetic information. To whom? We don't know. 
it's in the terms of service, I'm sure, with the click-through button. But that is very unseemly to me that 23andMe may be selling this information to either pharmaceutical companies, and that could be a benefit to these folks who decide to get it, but it could be not to their benefit. Well, I have actually looked on the site, and is if it, if there is anything going on, it is aggregate data and it is de-identified information, just like what we do when we do clinical trials. We report in aggregate, we report in groups of patients, and I believe this will actually promote medical research and and get more. Uh, disease treatment in the future, maybe not in the next five or ten years, but in the next 20, 30, 40, and generations from now, the more information we have about genes and uh, genetic uh, susceptibility, the more we will be able to direct dollars to create drugs, to create certain uh, cures for certain diseases, and the better we will be at creating those drugs. So I don't have any problem with aggregate data sales that, uh, is, uh, there is, because patients individually are not affected by that. Until they get uh, advertising, you know, that's been de-identified, then re-identified, and a third party, and all these machinations to allow someone to advertise to these people. You may have a susceptibility to blank disease, and therefore we're going to allow a pharmaceutical company to market directly to you. So we don't, they don't actually need genetic testing to do that right now. We can figure out, you can figure out what diseases you have based on your search criteria. If you go home today, as a sleep physician, uh, Google has, thinks I have a sleep disorder because I have done research on sleep when I look on the web uh, and when I pull stuff for patient information. So Google actually targets me for selling sleep uh, supplies and uh, uh, advertisements for sleep products because they believe I'm a consumer of, of, sleep disorder, of, of a sleep disorder product. So we don't actually need genetic testing right now to be able to advertise directly to you. If you start doing research on Alzheimer's disease and start Googling questions or symptoms on Alzheimer's, you're going to start seeing advertisements for either Alzheimer's drugs or potentially research trials. Genetic testing is not necessary and an incredibly expensive way to try to get your identity, to try to get that information when you're already putting it into a search engine. It's funny that Google came up. It's come up a couple times. The fact that Google tracks you with a banner ad to me is acceptable, but a little creepy. But the fact that Google, a Google-funded company, could be tracking me based on my genetics or my brother or sister's choice to get those genetics and then tracks my kids, that to me is a limit. That's a line that we should not cross as a society. I would agree with that statement that we should not need to, would not track people based on genetic testing. I don't think you'll get any argument from that um, because this is private information and this is privately held, uh, this is a private uh, data field. Um, however, like I said, it is just not necessary for them to get uh, genetic information to advertise to you. They already know plenty about you based on your search habits. If you are searching uh, drugs for cholesterol, they will figure out that you might have high cholesterol. If you start up looking side effects to a simvastatin, a torvastatin, Lipitor, you are, Google is going to determine uh, that you have high cholesterol and they might sell targeted ads to you. But again, that is not related to genetic testing at all. That can already be done today. Just like if you search for uh, a new car, you will start seeing car advertisements. I'm not in the market, but thank you. <laughs> but again, I think there's a, a fundamental difference between typing in something to Google and I have something and I want more information about it and then Google can market that to you. But I do think there's a fundamental difference between that 
and checking your genes for something you're asymptomatic currently about, and then God knows what happens. Well, then the, you get advertisements. Well, this is this is this is a definitely a good point. But I do want to say there's a lot of good things that can happen when people check their genes. On 23andMe's website, they have a very nice story about a patient. Uh, his name is Greg. What happened was his son, as a young child, was having difficulty uh, keeping food down, vomiting, throwing up, just not maintaining food uh, well. Doctors could not figure out what was wrong. What the dad did was do a 23andMe genetic profile on himself, on the father, and he figured out that he had fructose intolerance, uh, or had a gene for fructose intolerance, I should say. He was heterozygous for it. So what he, now when he had that key piece of information about his own genetic profile, he could direct physicians based on his own genetic data to uh, test his son for fructose intolerance. And sure enough, his son was homozygous for fructose intolerance and he was able to create a diet where now he's been doing very well. So again, a benevolent fact from a, uh, from a father, a very concerned father who went against uh, what medical training, medical training has told most people, and he went on his own and got genetic testing to benefit his children. He had a defined purpose as to what to do. He had a son with a problem, and he understood that there might be consequences to his actions, and he was willing to accept that risk. And he took that risk, and it paid off. Not all risks pay off, but you do have. He has the again the choice to make that risk and the choice to take that risk. And what son, what dad would not take a risk for their son or daughter, right? Hard to argue against an anecdote <laughs> sure. with a great outcome, right? But I, again, it kind of brings back this autonomy. And you never really answered the question about what the limit should be. So what should the limit be to this patient autonomy notion of yours? Yeah, so this is a good question. I, there is, as of right now, we do not have a limit. We have lots of things right now where the doctor is, has to be involved, especially when it comes to ex incredibly expensive tests, and most importantly when it comes to medications. A doc for example, you might talk to a patient about uh, a drug or treatment for Alzheimer's disease, and you might give them one or two options. You can give the patient some limited autonomy. So you are giving them that option. When it comes to medications, of course, a doctor always needs to be involved because there are potential side effects which patients cannot understand. When it comes to testing, again, especially when it comes to genetic testing, because uh, there is so much information out there, the patient should have the ability to know about their own personal uh, genetic profile so they could know as much about themselves as they want if they want to. Again, there's, not there's, no, there's no need to get a, uh, have them test their blood work for routine CBCs and get their white cell count daily or anything like that. In fact, I think Theranos, the company that uh, uh, literally that, uh, that closed down recently, what their goal was to have patients be able to self-test uh, through using their, their small blood vials. But that really is not, is not a, a, a fruitful endeavor to test your CBC weekly or CBC monthly. Genetic testing is very different, and that's why I think it has a special carve-out. I don't, don't think we need to set specific or arbitrary limits. We have a specific area where we know the, there are genes available that can test us for certain diseases, whether it's Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, um, or fructose intolerance is the case I told you earlier about, and we can get information based on that if we want. I think you know, you're, you're holding a couple of cases in mind that favor you. Okay, fructose intolerance, treatable. Susceptibility, there's wiggle room, right? How about Huntington's? Okay, you said we should limit this to genetics. Well, how about an incurable autosomal dominant condition? So we, we already know, we, we 
are already have diseases such as Huntington's disease, which is, as you know, is an incredibly terrible disease. And uh, patients right now will go with their physician in order to get tested because, as you mentioned, that is an incurable disease, which is basically 100% uh, uh, penetrance. If you have that gene, you will get Huntington's disease, or if you have uh, enough of those uh, copies. Um, again, and that should be done with a physician. We do have the FDA that has helped uh, 23andMe decide and help them uh, create the panel as to what is okay to get tested for and what is not. Um, and we have the FDA to help us with those decisions. Remember, the FDA's primary concern is patient safety. That is what the FDA is meant to do. And they have allowed 23andMe these genetic tests, these specific ones, which includes things like susceptibility to Alzheimer's disease and susceptibility to Parkinson's. And one can certainly say, although there is no cure, there are treatment options available to that. And again, with Huntington's disease, again, there is no cure, but there are some treatment options available in order to improve quality of life. And there are new ones coming out even recently. So would you limit the disclosure of a Huntington's genomics at all? Uh, should, should that be done in a doctor's office, or can somebody click through and allow that? No, Dave. I think a pa if a patient wants to click through and find out if they have Huntington's disease, they have every right to do so without the physician knowledge. Uh, I would not do that for myself if I thought I had Huntington's. I personally would go and see a physician to discuss this, but that is my choice to do so. Here we have the ability to choose if we want to get to tested for Huntington's or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. Again, we can allow patients to make their choice. They have the choice to go see a physician first. They do not have to do that. Well, luckily for right now, Huntington's is not on the table. But Correct. in the future, it could be. And then, aren't you worried about consequences? Are you not worried about patient harm with the disclosure? Well, as you know, with Huntington's disease, it is unfortunately universally fatal. Um, so there is, the harm is not coming from the patient or the physician. The harm is coming from the disease itself because we do not have enough research in there. Or a suicide. A suicide is always a possibility. That is why we always uh, hope that patients will help make the right decision. Um, but again, again, you have one case of suicide or there are one, one or two cases out there. Many people might actually make good family choices or family decisions knowing that they might have Huntington's disease. If I, had to, if I know that I might get Huntington's disease, I might decide to uh, change my family planning. Uh, and again, that decision can be made on the patient's owner, with the patient and the family. Again, they have to pay to make that decision. It is not something they could just walk in and do. It is something that has to be taken um, seriously. Well, as seriously as buying something from Amazon. You put your credit card in, you click through a couple boxes, and voila, here don't, you go. Don't take ease of doing something to mean lack of seriousness, although it's become easy to get tested, it's become easy uh, to do so. Um, that does not mean it's any more or less serious. And there are warnings about uh, genetic risks on their website to let people know. I mean, obviously, if you, you have enough money to pay for the test, you can read. You have enough money to... Uh, make this, you have the ability to make your decision. Um, and don't, don't confuse the fact that it is easy to do with that it is not serious to do. You can sell anything you'd like on eBay, uh, and it's very easy to do. Uh, somebody set up a website where they sold illegal drugs. It was easy for them to do. That doesn't mean it's any less or more serious. Exactly. Well, that's sort of the downside of the Internet. Um, easy and you know we're thinking a lot about this you and I we're talking a lot about this we're putting a lot of thought into it and clearly you have but I don't think other people are I don't think other people will click through these boxes having really understood genetic risk 
or the consequences of finding out the disclosure. And these are exactly the people who have seen the disease because those are people who are most interested. The people who have seen the disease are more susceptible. They're the ones who are going to get the bad news. But those people have the right to know, and they have the right to know their genetic profile without, the, without necessarily interference from, the, from a physician. They can who, decide and, and on who, their own. Who, and who says that? You established a right. <laughs> I, the FDA says that. The FDA has said that the patients have a right to know these genetic profiles. The FDA has said that they have the right to know uh, their own uh, medical conditions. So there is, there is precedent for this. No, I, I know that the FDA did. I just disagree with the decision. And you are allowed to disagree. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do disagree with the conclusion. But you've made a good point for patient autonomy. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. John Corey, for being with me and proposing a line of argument that I think has some merit, um, trying to establish a right to know, a right to get disclosures, um, I think that's a very strong argument. I worry about the consequences. Um, and I don't think that Dr. Corey is focusing on those as much. And those consequences could be good for good or for bad. I do think it's a double-edged sword here and it both have to be taken into account under the jurisdiction of a physician. Thanks for listening to this debate about the potential benefits and issues regarding over-the-counter DNA testing. To download this podcast and similar content, please visit ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening to ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.